Hello and welcome to How Do Artists, a show that focuses on a single topic of conversation and asks the question, how do artists live, work, play, run their businesses and stay inspired or handle challenges and adversity from an artist's perspective? Our show will speak with a diverse group of artists and creatives as you, our listeners, will have a chance to ask your questions during the Q&A segment towards the end of our show. I am your co-host, Ryan Caldwell, musician and producer, and I am joined by co-host Carlana Pedersen, artist and illustrator. Well, hello, and thank you, Ryan. Our conversation for today is how do artists handle rejection? Our guest today is Phil Maki. Phil Maki is a cartoonist and filmmaker known for his long-running book series, Retail Sunshine, which follows the adventures of a group of salespeople dealing with infuriating customers and unbearable management. In late 2020, Phil re released a documentary short film, Sparking Sunshine which included the premiere of his first animated interpretation of Retail Sunshine, his podcast, Stay Tuned, and live stream show, Stay Tuned Live, which takes a fun and informative look at the lives of professionals in the animation industry. This behind-the-scenes series is currently spawning a feature documentary film about Batman, the animated series. Phil is with us this evening to discuss how do artists handle rejection? Yay! Woo. Hi, Phil. How are you? Carlon and Ryan, you guys, you guys had a had a missed opportunity to kick me off the show right then. Like, <laughs> this, this is how artists deal with rejection. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would have been out, too right? good, right? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna show you how he deals with it right now. We're gonna, Phil, use this as an example. <laughs> oh, we're gonna give a live demonstration. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm big about living by example. I, I I think that's the way to go. So you got you got to do it for sure. Take, take one on the chin for the team every once in a while. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And you know, <laughs> in terms of rejection, I think I think it's safe to say that if we're going to talk about this topic, anyone over the age of five years old knows what rejection feels like. I think whether it's school or work or your goals and ambitions. So. We'd like to know a little bit more about you or, or start telling us about you and how you have made your accomplishments and overcame specific rejections so that you can get to where you are right now in your craft, which you've done a lot of stuff. So I'm definitely over the age of five, so I'm qualified. Yes. <laughs> it qualified qualifies you, right? Yeah, that's, I, I think so. Well. I, I've never felt more overqualified than this moment right here. <laughs> Multiple times. I don't know if I should take that. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> I'm at least as competent as multiple five-year-olds. Right. right. Uh, I, you know, I, I would probably say to start that a lot of it comes from ignoring what people tell you. Mm. Just in general, just ignore yeah. what people say. I, I spent a very long part of my life um, thinking that I had to bend to other opinions Right. And there was one point in time, there was a specific point in time, I don't know, I think it was maybe in my 20s or whatever, where it just kind of hit me and I was like, hey, you know what? Everybody doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. I just realized it. I'm like, everybody. <laughs> everybody they think, thinks they know how to, how to parent. Everyone thinks they know how to drive. Everyone thinks they know how to whatever, I'll fill in the blank. And, and everyone's just doing the best they can with what they know, but nobody, nobody can tell you what that means for you specifically. Right. Oh yeah. Right. You've, you've done 
quite a bit of projects. Tell us about these projects that you've gotten into and and what that means to you and what were people saying when you first got it started? How did you handle, not everybody I'm sure said yes to what it is you wanted to do. How did you get through that? Yeah, uh, well, so uh, well, I guess we can talk about Retail Sunshine because that's kind Absolutely. of like the thing that people know me best for. So, uh, so I started that in 2008 and it was a very crude looking comic strip and i was just trying to go for something different i I had been working on being very uh meticulous and rendered with my previous series before that and so i was kind of ready to see if i could change it up and make something quirky fun and and a little bit less involved for me to uh you know less labor intensive i guess Right. right and um one i went to a convention i took my work with me and i remember uh, this guy that was kind of a friend of mine, more, maybe more of an acquaintance, but he looked at it and he, he was like, okay. He's like, I see you got, you got a gimmick going on here. And I'm like a gimmick. Like it really, <laughs> I, and he, he'll, I'm not worried about this person seeing this video because it, it, was, it was said in passing. I, I know that. And um, pardon the floating cat hair. There's so much of it around here. Uh, <laughs> I just saw it floating in front of the screen. I was like, That's just, it's, you're gonna think I live in in a pile of. It's true. I live in a pile of cat hair. Um, <laughs> hey, it's better. Better. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a pile of cats. Well, that's true. That, that's a disturbing thought. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they're all alive and well. Um, so, so he, said, he said that to me, and, and I was just like, that, I mean, obviously, it stuck with me. You know, I I didn't yeah. want it to be a gimmick, and I was still trying to figure out what it was for me. Yeah. And and so I think my point in telling this story is as much as I wanted to hit the ground running with retail sunshine, right. It has absolutely evolved. And, um, I've always wanted to hit the ground running, but I have to admit to myself, there's always going to be some form of, of evolution. Yeah. And if you're, if you're in, I mean, hopefully we're always evolving to an extent, but if you're in the early stages of, of a project, if you're developing something, and it's like this unformed piece of clay. Uh, everybody feels like they need to tell you what you need to do to make that clay into something else. And that's that's a really difficult position to be in because you, it takes a lot of trust in your own central guidance system of, of where you want to go with it next. Right. So I guess that's, that's kind of the, the best thing I can say is just – be, be very open to people's suggestions, meaning be able to listen to them, but also remind yourself that when that conversation is over, nobody's holding a gun to your head to do what they told you. <laughs> well, right. And you can trust in your own taste. I mean, that's assuming you have good taste, you know. <laughs> well, that's very true. That's very true. Uh, everybody, I mean, taste is subjective. I would hope to. <laughs> And art is art is very subjective. Oh, yeah. What yeah. one person loves, another person can be like, "Oh, I don't like that at all." Although right. the, gimmick, the, the gimmick comment did make me think about. Um, I, I once heard it said that a gimmick is a poorly executed, unique selling proposition. I mean, that's <laughs> that's why I, that's why I hated that that statement because that's exactly what I took that as. Yeah, I, I took it as he was looking at my work and going, "Oh, I see. You're trying to sell something. Therefore, you're trying to make it like." Uh, you know, hit a certain market or whatever. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like I sat at home thinking I'm going to make something that will sell a certain way. I was just trying to do something different from what I had been doing for years before that. And I wanted it to be more uh, 
able to incorporate my daily life. So at the point at that yeah. point in time, I had been working at Best Buy for a while. Mm-hmm. And I had been drawing this other comic strip called called Livestock, which which is a very near and dear series to my heart, but it wasn't really giving me a lot of opportunity to reflect my daily experiences. And so right. I wanted something that I could uh, kind of make it more current and more more day to day stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I, I was like, I got to find a way to do this. So I, I thought, all right, starting over, if I'm going to make a comic strip from scratch. What do I want it to be about? I'm gonna make it about all the crazy people that I meet every day, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make it like kind of uh, a little bit tongue in cheek, a little bit smart alecky, and I'm gonna mix that with some really crude looking drawings that makes it make you wonder like did a four year old draw this? <laughs> now you say crude, and I don't agree with that at all. I um it, just so that our listeners have a a point of reference, livestock really seemed to be a comic that you created that was more detailed, had um, a, a slightly more, well, more dimension um, in terms of not only the artistic value, but the storyline. And then the retail sunshine was really like um, a very, to me, it was a very expressive, I know you use the word stick figures, but it really wasn't stick figure. It was just a really... No, even at its crudest that oh, you showed oh, in okay. the, right. <laughs> it, it, I'll show you a stick figure. I mean, I, I don't mean, draw you a stick figure. I can, go really... grab, I can go get the book off the shelf and show you what I mean. But no, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. I mean, I think over time it became less and less stick figure. Uh, but if you look at the early stuff, their arms are literally like a, a line. Like I, I you know, <laughs> like now their arms are kind of like, kind yes. of fatter and they have like, you know, joints and their fingers are all individual. Like I, it's, yeah. it's definitely no longer more detail. It's more but detail. They've yeah. always been very expressive. It, it yeah. always seemed like it was very expressive yeah. and, and really funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, really Look funny. So he's, I mean, that's <laughs> not, it's not, I love very, that. Yeah. Thank you. So this is, this is actually from the animation that is, yes. These are so I have these on my on my. There's a bulletin board right here. You can't see, uh, and so there's a bunch of these 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 uh, numbered folders because all of this is a stack of drawings that went into making the animated short. So I've got like, just just a bunch of stacks of drawings that uh, it was drawn and then animated by hand. Um, so the idea behind that was I like to punish myself and. <laughs> no, what happened I mean, to livestock are you still are you still drawing livestock no uh i, I i'd like to return to it here's here's the here's the long and gruesome story uh told, told in only like less than three minutes so it's not that long and gruesome uh, <laughs> as, my, as my grandmother used to say here's the reader's digest version Oh, okay. Right. I, I I remember that reference yeah yeah i've <laughs> all, the, all these references I, as i get older i'm like Oh, no one, no one knows what I'm saying. Anymore. Oh, my daughter's not going to know who you're, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's so, um, so, so livestock. Uh, I wrapped up that series. I had drawn it on and off for about eleven years, and then in 2007, I published my first first ever publishing of a book. It was self-published, uh, and it was collected collected all the strips that I had done and some like little offshoot images. And I I asked a bunch of friends if they would draw my characters in their style. And so it's got all that stuff put together. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then, then they kind of went away for a while. I, I say they're in hibernation because they're animals. 
And uh, <laughs> I don't think cows hibernate, but that's. <laughs> um, and then in 2013, I moved summer of 2013. I moved to Austin. Uh, my first year here was spent working on a completely different project that we haven't talked about. And then I, I got burned out on it and the summer of, or I think it was late summer of no, sorry, maybe early, maybe May of 2014. I was like, I'm burned out. I can't make this project right now. And that's probably how I said it too. Cause I'm mm-hmm. Italian. So, uh, <laughs> so then I went ahead and said, I'm going to go back to livestock. And I started to make a comic book, like a vertical style comic book, not, oh. not a strip, like a full story where every page is just like another page in the story. Mm-hmm. And I got five pages into it. I've got all five pages done. They're, 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 they're created. They're on my computer. Like they're all laid out and everything. And I got burned out on that too. <laughs> so the last thing I, I, I did with them has never been, has never seen the light of day. And I, I would like to go back and finish that story at some point. That would be really cool. Mm. Um, I've done a little bit of animation with them. I did uh, an animated short cartoon called Better Off Hungry. Hmm. And that, that's on my YouTube channel. And then there's another animation that is not on my YouTube channel because it never got past the storyboard phase. Um, <laughs> so I actually have an animate an animatic. An animatic is when you take your storyboards and you and you have them on screen set to music and it's meant to be like a timing piece so that you know how you want to animate it when you go back and you animate it. I have the animatic on my computer. I have that file, um, but it's not available to see anywhere online. So there's, there's other stuff that was in the works and just, just never happened. Wow. Yeah. Yet. Wow. Not yet. Right. Yeah. Yet. Cause there's still time. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope so. <laughs> Don't feel, get all Nostradamus on me. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would never quote Nostradamus. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, so I'm curious. So, so cir- circling, circling back to the to the rejection topic. What's the what is the what is the weirdest way that you've gotten rejected for something? Are we talking about like romance or what? Let's 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 say art. But if you got if you got good honorable mentions in romance, <laughs> uh, constantly rejected in that way. Um, <laughs> The, the, um, I've gotten like, so, so there was a series that I, people that have been following my stuff a little too closely, you know, when you, <laughs> like when you're driving behind a car and you're like, if you can read this bumper sticker back up, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. no, there's a series. I, uh, there's this dinosaur book that I've been teasing for years that, that I, I'm going to make at some point. I don't know if I will. Uh, I, I would like to make it, but it, now, now I'm at a point where I'm like, eh, if it happens, it happens. Right. Um, and, and so that project back in like 2004, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I've never developed this project. It's just a, just a pipe dream. Tell you what I'll do. I'll try to make a TV show out of it and I'll send it off to a bunch of companies. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, I got rejected by all of them <laughs> and I said, forget you guys. I'll, I'll make it into a book myself and then you'll see how wrong you were. <laughs> and, and so that's, but the rejection from that just came in the form of these letters. I kept the letters. I have a letter from like the Jim Henson company. I've got a letter from like cartoon network from mm-hmm. Nickelodeon. Right, I've got right. all these rejection letters. Uh, some of them were emails, rejection emails, but I got rejection letters from a few of them. Mm-hmm. And so I've kept those because 
you know, if I if I ever do make that story into a book and I finish it, I'm gonna be like, let me take a snapshot of these rejections <laughs> and put them in the book in the back of the book, and oh. you'll see all the ways that it was rejected. Oh, you have to, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good story, but I'm, I'm just saying that to me that that's those are like a badge of honor. I like I like the rejection letter. You have the letterhead from the studio and everything. It's great. Oh wow! Yeah. So you've memorialized this for. For your own like mental satisfaction, I'd say, right? I, I think I'm constantly memorializing myself. <laughs> the most <laughs> morbid thing you can do way to live your life is by constantly memorializing yourself. Make, make, well, making various shrines and you know trophy rooms. And- I, have a, <laughs> I, have a, I have a skull right here. So I mean like. What ooh, is that? That's cool. This is a skull that when you turn the switch on, it has the. Uh... Oh, very nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I used to love those things. You know it's I mean? a clear skull on a pedestal. Oh yeah, yeah for, the, pedestal, right, for the podcast for the podcast listeners. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. And so it's we, got your name on it. No, it says electro electropathic vessel. Ooh. Uh, oh. Spectral equipment company. This is from Target. I bought it for. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's what you do when you get rejected. <laughs> What do you do to prepare for the rejection, Phil? My favorite thing in interviews is when someone goes, okay, so. (laughs) I mean, I'm staring at a glass, like, skull. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, well. And and this is a part of your, your, like, process of, of how you deal with rejection. You. Oh no no we were caught, I think we were talking about shrines and, and memorializing things. Yeah, it feels like it's a process. Is this your process for when someone like turns you down? You say, "Screw you! I am going to hang your rejection letter on the wall for everyone to see." <laughs> so that when I'm, so when the next like executive at your company, yeah, actually <laughs> signs me, yeah. I can come back with this rejection letter later yeah. and say. See, you guys screwed up the first time. Got to be careful what you put into print, people, because it'll come back to haunt you later. (laughs) So, so go ahead, Ryan. Scarlet letter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just wear a big letter A on my chest everywhere I go. (laughs) For you kids out there who haven't gotten to ninth grade English, (laughs) the Scarlet Letter is a book about prostitution. Oh my gosh. Right. So, so <laughs> what do you do to prepare for the rejection? I mean, what are you doing so that like you can sort of, I don't know, like stop it before it happens? Uh, I, the mean, best I can tell you, Carlana, and this is, this is a serious answer. I oh. promise this time, uh, <laughs> get very, very, very good. And this is like, this will probably be the hardest thing you ever do as an artist. Get very good at self containing your own need for validation. Mm. Ooh, I like that. Very, I'm very serious about that. That is, a, that is the most important thing you can do because I even had someone I spoke with earlier today talk, talking with me about artists and they, and they said, well, don't we need to be validated as artists? I'm not calling this person out, by the way, for saying this. <laughs> I, they're not wrong in thinking this. They're just younger than me. Um, <laughs> but, but it's a very good question. Don't we need validation as artists? And I think you need validation from yourself. And uh, I'm, I'm finally at a point where I'm getting pretty good at that. I mean, there's still, there's still things that wound me. I won't claim like, they're, like they don't. But yeah. um, 
for example, uh, putting out Sparking Sunshine, uh, it's been really therapeutic because I was actually able to let it go after I finished it. And I don't mean that I'll never look at it again. I just mean I wasn't obsessing over it once I said it. When I said it was done, it was done. And for years, I, I had a real hard time doing that. I know a lot of artists have a hard time doing that. Oh, yeah. That. So from, I really wanted to get to a place where I was happy with it. And when I was at peace with it, and I knew that, that like, I knew people were going to have things they were going to say about it and they were going to, you know, go, you know how I would have ended it, you know, explosions. Um, <laughs> but like, I got to a point where I'm totally fine with it. I'm not fine. I mean, like, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with it. You're and at peace with it. I'm at peace with it. And yeah. uh, I recently submitted it to a number of film festivals and it's been rejected from every single film festival. <laughs> Nice. Uh, well, one of them is giving me a maybe, and I'll, I'll know in ten days if that maybe is a yes. It was really actually. This is a, to go back to Ryan's question about the funniest rejection. This is not a rejection, but it's a funny maybe. Uh, two days ago, I got a maybe email saying, "Congratulations! Tell everybody that you're you're in the festival. Tell them to vote for your film. Um, here's all the badges you can use." And at the very bottom, it said "P.S.," and it literally said "P.S." I'm not just doing that. <laughs> It's a PS. If you haven't received a personal validation yet, your film is still in consideration. <laughs> what does that mean? And they moved. They moved the date. The date we were supposed to find out about it was supposed to be like the 18th, and they moved it to the 31st. They extended the deadline. So now I'm literally just going. I don't know what's happening. It still says in consideration. It's, it's so, the dark side of those uh, automa automatic emails. <laughs> it is. So, I, you know, the point is, is that I, I, the first couple of rejections, I was, I was bummed out. Now I'm just like, eh, whatever. You know, it wasn't what they were looking for. It doesn't mean that what I did isn't good, but I think it can be easy to fall into that. Like, well, if they didn't like it, why should I like it? And that's completely bogus. And if anybody ever wants to, ask me about this further. They can, I I'm telling you this right now, feel free to reach out to me on social media and, and I will, I'll be your art therapist for just, a few <laughs> minutes. I, yeah, I think we could all use a little art therapy to be honest with you sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on and on top of it, we have to deal with rejection and it's a serious thing. Everyone in art or who puts themselves out there has, I think, I'm pretty sure has been rejected. I know there's been tons of times. I've you have to start. You have to stop looking at life like a goalpost. I mean, there are goals. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Right. You know, but you have right. to stop looking at it like that and start looking at it like a maze. And when I say a maze, what I mean is, assuming you can't look down on paper at the maze, I'm saying if you're in a maze and you're walking right. through a maze, at some point you're going to round a corner. And it's going to lead to a dead end. That does not mean there's no exit to the maze. <laughs> right. You just stop right there. It, yeah. You have to turn around and go back a different way. And to me, rejection is that. It's when you when you round a corner and something says not this way. Mm -hmm. Right. That's I yeah I like that explanation. Yeah, it's, it's like this. Um. Uh, either guys read the the last lecture. No, but I can, I, I can fake it and make you make your story sound even more engaging. Fantastic. Let's go with that. Yes, I've totally read it. It's really good, right? It's I, fantastic. I love the part with the sharks. <laughs> I've, got, the I've, shark. got it, I've got it here right now. I've got it right here. <laughs> um, 
But one of the, one of uh, one of uh, Randy's quotes in that is that the brick walls are there to stop people who don't want things bad enough. Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's one of those things where it's like he, he gave like a ton of different anecdotes, including his current wife or his former wife. I mean, he's dead. Called his wife a brick wall. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think I know why he's divorced. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I very much agree with that concept, though, of just, you know, it's, it's just to stop people who don't want it bad enough and who aren't willing to go and kind of keep persevering. It's kind of a war of attrition in a lot of ways. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's really something to think about. So with that, how do you think do you think that there are habits we as artists do that contribute to rejection? Maybe, you know, a little self-sabotage kind of thing going on? I think uh, negative self-talk, the internal dialogue of, uh, of yourself is, is uh, you know, like, you know, when you get a pimple and, and you start to pick at it and that only mm-hmm. makes it come out more. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> what neg- that's what negative self-talk is. But it leaves a scar, more importantly. And it ruins your class photo. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is true. So I, I just think negative self-talk is, is what we do. You know, uh, when I was working in retail, one of the things I had to remind myself, and I'm really on, on the way home, I'd be very, very angry. Something a customer would say to me would just really get under my skin. Yeah. And people don't realize how, how powerful their words are sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, I would drive home and remind myself, and I would, I would tell my fellow employees this as well to try to help them out because we would all kind of get burned about stuff. And I would say, do you think, do you suppose that that person you met hours ago who has already left the store, they're, they're, at, they're at home now eating their hungry man frozen dinner and sitting, watching TV, American Idol, whatever. <laughs> do, you, do you think they're sitting at home right now thinking about what they said to you today? And they're like, probably not. And I'm like, right. So why are you giving them the, the control over your life to be thinking about what they said to you so much? Oh, for sure. Right. So that's the problem is we, we, we get something in here, like a little earworm. And then we just, we just keep playing it back over and over and over again. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, it's a form of conditioning. We, we condition Ooh. ourselves to believe that we aren't worthy of, of love, of, of attention, of validation, whatever. We just convince ourselves we're not worthy of it by constantly telling ourselves that we're not worthy of it. That's that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people kind of throw that out there as, as in in the guise of you know using it to motivate themselves, right? Like going and using negative, you know, uh, more more stick than carrot. You can. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is, I I think I think vengeance leads to just like an empty bitterness. So oh, yeah. even if you do show all the haters, even if you do, uh, the problem with showing the haters is, and, and that being your motivation. I'm not saying you can't show the haters. You can. But the problem with that being your motivation is it's an empty goal because odds are that person you're never going to talk to again, typically, if it's, if it's somebody who's saying it to you in passing. So you're never going to know. Right. You know, and, and then beyond that, a lot of times people who are just negative people or if they're, uh, you know, um, just kind of fo- focused on on themselves all the time. There's a word I'm forgetting the word right now. I'm, I'm blanking on the word. Start to narcissistic. Just, see, yeah, narcissistic. If, odds are, thank you, Carlana. Odds <laughs> are, uh, even if you do prove them wrong, they'll never admit to it anyway. 
Right. So so it's an empty it's an empty pursuit. Right. You're not going to win. There's no prize. There's not. And and even if like I said, even if you even if you win, even if you got all the money and got all the praise and this that, they'll still find a way to turn it around and say that you didn't win. And you still have to live with yourself. <laughs> you have right. to live with yourself. Yes. Yes. And maybe if you're married or you have kids or whatever, somebody else has to live with you. And, <laughs> you know, you don't want to be putting them through that. Well, then how do you evaluate? How do you properly evaluate? Um, and we're not talking about like criticism or rejection to the level of abuse. Like I, I like people in retail get abused. I, I mean, know. that's no joke. I mean, <laughs> why am I, know. why am I still drawing cartoons about it? It, it clearly <laughs> left an impact on me. Seriously. So we're not, you know, we're not talking about people who are doing that because clearly there's a level there that, that is a different conversation, but in terms of putting your craft out there in terms of whether it's sales or whether you're trying to meet your own specific goals, how do you evaluate legitimate rejection and evaluate fact versus fiction. Is somebody rejecting me because really I have to re-examine my art or examine my craft and maybe like you said, you know, pivot. We talk about pivot um, off and on throughout our series. And, and is that something that it's that is needed as a result of the rejection? Or is it someone's personal opinion? How does how does someone weed through that? and figure out which one this is. I think it all comes down to knowing what you want. So like for me, for as long as I can remember, all I've wanted to do was to have characters that were my characters that I could just create with them and, and tell stories with them. And that was my goal. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, dot, dot, dot mansion. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like for me, it's, I feel like as long as I'm creating and I'm, maybe it's not always comics. Maybe I'm doing a, a, a documentary film for, for something, you know, for Batman. Um, <laughs> I just randomly came up with that off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> but my point is, is that like, I, I got within myself, I got real clear on my goals and my goals are always be creating something. And that's my my litmus test. So I ask, I'll ask myself at the end of the day, not necessarily out loud, just sort of, you know, checks and balances. Um, you know, am I creating right now? And if, and if I am, do, am I creating something that if I was an outside observer, I would look at it and find it interesting and find it entertaining. And if the answer to that is yes, then I'm, I'm good. You know, if someone wants to tell me that I'm not doing it right, then they can tell me that. But if, as long as I can say, I look at this, as, as objectively as I can, and I, I can see the value in it, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling fulfilled because I'm creating something that I'm that I'm passionate about. If I can answer those two questions with a yes, then then I'm good. No, no, that's that ties good. a bow on that. <laughs> that? Oh, I was gonna say that that ties a bow on that. <laughs> you have to tie a bow on it because if you constantly make your mission something you haven't done yet, I, I yeah. think you really need to make your mission a series of small missions. Right. You know, and, and your your life mission should be to, to continue doing that thing. So if you like if you if you love gardening, you know, and you want to, I don't know, like have the best roses in town, 
then once you get the blue ribbon at the at the festival, do you stop? Are you done? Are you, <laughs> right. you know, but it, but if you're like, no, I love this. I want to keep doing it. Then your mission becomes to constantly be planting the best roses and constantly being able to like share them with the world and win ribbons. I mean, you have to give yourself something that is is um, sustainable, and you have to give yourself something that is also realistic too. Right. You know, if your if your mission is like. Man, once I once I make a million dollars, then I'm done. I mean, you're gonna feel done once you get that million dollars because your whole t- whole mental energy up to that point was saying that this one goalpost, the one thing, is the only thing that'll make you happy the rest of your life. You know? Oh yeah. Well, then, then you start spiraling out of control, and you know, you buy like three yachts and right. Because your purpose, your purpose was, you would think, well, I achieved it. Isn't that great? No. What what happened was you literally had your goal taken away from you. You didn't really gain anything. You actually right. lost something, you know? But if, <laughs> you're, if your goal is constantly to be, yeah. for me, to be creating, then as long as I'm constantly creating, then I'm constantly receiving the the rewards of those goals. It isn't, it isn't, to, it isn't to put it in... You don't want to put your goals in somebody else's hands. You don't want to say my goal is fame because you can't control somebody else's reaction to you. Oh, right. You can't control if they're going to throw money at you. They might, but they also might not do that. They might go buy an Xbox. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) if you can find one, if you can find one, no, that's, that's PlayStation five. Uh, <laughs> well, and it, it's it's funny because that that reminds me of a uh, was it kind of a, a goal with one of the uh, one of the groups I'm in is our we we have to tr- at least try to be more entertaining than Netflix. Well, I'm glad you said that because the reality of this is, and people don't want to admit this, even if you now I don't want to put too much pressure on an aspiring artist, but yeah. the reality of this is, if you're an artist of any caliber, your competition is everything. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> But, but think about it. That's true. Right. No, it's true. Even this show tonight, if someone's watching this show live right now, they had to actively choose not to watch any of the millions of other things that could be watching. Oh, right. yeah. Your competition for this show is There's a everything. million other podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> no, I, sorry. Sorry. We know. Well, but, but here's, I mean, the, the flip side of that, though, is really, really gratifying because nothing makes you feel more grateful than thinking that, man, these people could be doing anything right now. But, you know, the people who are watching this podcast are deliberately choosing this. But you could. Yeah. You could thank you, by the way. Yes, of course. Thank you to the audience. <laughs> But but you now, no no harm no no malice to the audience but the reality is <laughs> this act of what we're doing in my opinion should be the reward it's it's I don't know if anyone's watching right now I'm not paying attention to that yeah we've got but, a few watchers well that's good hello but, thank you but, but <laughs> we love pretend, you that's right pretend for a minute they're not there let's pretend they're not there for just a moment and <laughs> and and I'm not saying anything don't make better. them leave. No, I know. I'm just saying that this for you guys and for me, this is a moment that we're experiencing, the three of us together. We don't need an audience member to tell us that it's good or bad or the other for us to enjoy this moment together. That's my point. That's true. That's true. But we will hear about it. If if it's not so, <laughs> we love the audience. I'm we not, do. I'm, I'm, I love you, audience. I will, yeah, it's like start smearing the smart smearing hand grease on your webcam. <laughs> I feel like now, now, like you guys are gonna have to be like, well, we accidentally muted Phil's microphone for this moment. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It seems like there's a there's a. 
There's a, there's there's a, a technical problem. difficulty. Sorry <laughs> about that. that, that yeah. That's honestly the best perk of being a sound guy. That's just, yeah. that, that's right. Just realizing that, oh, they can do whatever they want to on stage, but a little uh, too much flack and they can, right. I just have a, <laughs> I have a button for that. It's <laughs> yes. I wasn't going to the audience. I promise. Oh no, you're, you, you, you are, you are fine. And no, and, but I think I largely think you're right is you have to be doing what makes you happy and what you think is good. And I mean, we actually, we were, we were talking about this on the last podcast. The, uh, was it the like thousand raving, like raving fans theory where, you know, yeah. it's more just finding where your what your market is. It's finding, it's not going and making things that will satisfy the closest thousand people to you. It's finding things that uh, like, there are a thousand people on this planet who cannot get enough of. Right. Sure. Like they will eat up everything you put out there because for whatever reason it just it connects that just suddenly with them. Yeah. Yeah. You got to find your your find your audience. That's why if yeah. you have a, an email group, I've I've got an email group and I I lost somebody today on it actually. And no. Okay. It's okay. They were they were a former manager at, at the company I used to work at. So don't. <laughs> um, I mean, they might still be a manager. They're former because I don't work there anymore. Yeah. Uh, but my point is, is that like. I, you have to kind of get to a point where you tell yourself that wasn't my, that wasn't my audience. And right. so you, do, you yeah. don't feel bad about not losing or about losing that because that, you know, if you throw out like a piece of uh, like a, if you peel an orange and you throw the peel away, you don't cry about the peel. That wasn't, that wasn't the orange you wanted to eat. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but it, it's really hard. Though. I feel like people are super loss averse. You know, anytime we lose anything, we kind of lose our minds. Yeah. You just, you, just look at it as an opportunity for growth. I mean, you know, if, if you lose one person, you should go, all right, cool. What am I doing to gain new people? Don't, don't cry over the one person lost. You should be looking for the opportunities to, to build and expand. Well, and, and speaking of that, do you have any examples of when rejection worked in your favor? When you like, you got rejected from something, but based on a chain of events that happened after that, that just propelled you forward or led opened a door that wouldn't have been opened. Or you were glad they were talking <laughs> to you. It would have uh, been really not. You, you dodged the bullet. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was. I was. I mean, that, that just brings up dating. That's just. That's all I can think of. <laughs> There's just times when I'm like, you know what? I'm really glad that didn't work out with that person because that would have been awful. <laughs> I'm not going to name yeah. names. I'm not going to get too detailed with it. I'm not going to go into the juicy details. She knows who she is. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's good. I mean, as long as she knows herself. All five, all, all five of those of those cheese know who they are. Oh my goodness! I've lost track of how many women have rejected me. It's okay. It's fine. I don't necessarily know. I was specifically talking about women rejecting you, but that's know, okay. But, we'll go with that. But I can't think of a, a time where someone rejected me creatively, and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I'm sure. I'm sure it happened. It's just I don't have a. I don't have that kind of like a. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I. I don't know. I mean, there's. There's been times where I felt to myself, well, well, I'll show you. You know, I've had right. that kind of a moment, but I mean, hence the was, memorialized letters. I think. Yes. Right? Yeah. But there it wasn't. It, but like, the reason why I don't like referring to that is because it wasn't like. I wasn't going to keep doing it anyway. You know what I mean? Right, right. right. So now I'm just doing it anyway and I'm angry, you know? 
well, okay, but but how how about like dodged bullet opportunities where it's like you you submitted something to something and then you upon you know future reflection it was like oh yeah if I had gotten that I would have been just completely screwed. I guess the 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 thing I mentioned earlier about the the rejection letters from the TV show if right. if I if I had um if they had picked up that series as a TV show it, it was. So the thing about that is it, it's an incredibly personal story. It's uh, it's like I, I made a book when I was eight or nine in, in second grade, and it was about dinosaurs. We, we had a book-making project in school, and we all made books. Everyone made books. And, and so I made a book about dinosaurs because I'm obsessed with dinosaurs. And uh, that story has just kind of like been in me ever since. And I've tried over the years to like make a cartoon version of dinosaurs. And I never really liked any of it. I always thought it looked stupid and I couldn't think of what I wanted to write about. And then, then that's why I pulled that story to offer to make as a TV show. Cause I'm like, well, I clearly can't do anything with it. I might as well offer it up to somebody and see if I can get a, get a career going out of being in TV. And they all rejected it. And then I said, okay, well, you know, if I was going to do this story, Maybe now I can try to do it like on my own again. And I, I made like 13 pages, stopped working on it because I didn't like the art style. That was back in 2004, I think. Hmm. And then I didn't I didn't pick it up again until like like 2013 or like like eight or nine years later. And then I made like 23 pages. And then that's the that's the one that I got burned out on. Hmm. Um, and I really do want to complete that. I mean, I, I've gotten pretty far into it for me to for me to stop there. Right. Um, but I wanted the book to be like a hundred pages, so it was like, oh. yeah, you're right. I'm like, you're close, <laughs> but how how close are you really? Well, the the the, the last sixty go way faster than the first thirty. That's, that's for sure. That's what they say. They all say that. They all say that. Um, so so it was, but it was one of those things where it, it, had I got that sold as a show, I don't know if I would have gone and tried to make it into. Uh, a graphic novel. I don't know. You know, maybe I would have anyway. Maybe I still would have done it. But, but the point is, is that I was definitely ticked off. That like I, I want to say it was somebody from. I don't. I don't want to say who who it was from. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I just realized that that would be a bad idea. So yeah, it's okay. <laughs> self censoring though. <laughs> What's that? Look at that expert self censoring though. Well, that's it comes from years of sticking your foot in your own mouth. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I learned by example of myself. Uh, so, so the such and such company sent me a letter saying, um, we don't think this is right for us. It seems like it's too preschool of an idea. Ooh. And I was really, really hurt by that because it's not preschool. It's just very, it's just very gentle hearted and yeah. it, it's a very wholesome story. Um, but that, that doesn't mean it's something that is preschool. It, it's, uh, right. It would be like, like, do you know the movie? You know Pixar's Wall-E. Sure. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. It would be like calling Wall-E preschool. Wall-E's very advanced and ha has a lot of adult themes in it. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, and it's it's, a, but but kids can watch it and appreciate it. And that's the kind of stuff that I like to make is stuff that it speaks to an adult audience, not because of inappropriate behavior, right. but because of of uh, thematic. Uh, tones and things like that that content that content but but the but the characters are engaging enough that kids will just want to be a part of it anyway so right. to me that's some of the most powerful stuff you can make Absolutely. and uh, 
but I wouldn't call it preschool. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because it's funny you brought up Wally because when you said that, I was like, oh, and I, I guess Pixar can go take a hike because that's like all they do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do, yeah, and they do it well. They do it very well, and they, they kind of wrote the book on it, so to speak. A little bit, um, <laughs> probably <laughs> literally. Um, uh, but but yeah, the point is is that uh, you know that was definitely one of those moments where I felt rejected. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Well, oh, you go for it. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm just, you know, I'm literally absorbing what you're saying. And, and. As opposed to figuring <laughs> No, as opposed to, you know, blocking it. Cause it's, you know, but it, it is hard. It, audience. <laughs> it, <laughs> that's a hard thing. And I feel like you're, you know, you're laying it all out there and, and being really honest and, and it's, that's what we do, Car Carlana. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Artists are the ones who make them publicly. <laughs> that I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that in a meme. I'm gonna credit you on a meme with that one. All right, it's that true. And, that's why, true. and no one, no one's forgiving of us when we do either. You, you know, no one, no one realizes that when they make a mistake in their cubicle, that that the world isn't walking up to them and and holding up a mirror and saying, "Look right. what you did." But when but when we do it, it's because it's something that we're sharing with the world. Everybody feels like they now have the right to tell us that. Oh, yeah. And I agree with that. And I think that because we not only are creatives and, and artists, but we we have to figure out how to operate a business, how to run a business, how to... Um, Don't ask me that one. I'm not good at that. <laughs> but I, you know... You're, yes. And, you know, not everybody's good at everything, I think, but it's true. You're putting yourself out there and and it is it's it's it makes you vulnerable. And I think that when you have rejection or, or you know, and it results in failure. Yeah, I, I feel like we we should put that out there and and express that. And so other people can learn from it. Because yeah. I feel like, you know, some of us can get up and restart easier than others. And yeah. some people don't have, some people just simply don't have the luxury to, to fail, you know, because failure requires, get, you know, brushing yourself up, hopefully, and starting over again. So I feel like putting that out there and, and saying, yeah, you know what, I tried this, I tried that, and it didn't work. Maybe here's why. And learning from each other is is so important. I feel you got to develop a spiritual callus as well. Yeah. I, you gotta, yeah. I wouldn't say it's easier to fail for me at this point. I've just done it enough times and I've ignored it enough times and kept going enough that now when it happens, I'm just like, yeah, I know what that feels like. <laughs> right. It's like muscle memory. Oh, yeah. muscle memory. But you learn from it. You yeah. you take something from it and you say, okay, right. this didn't work. This why didn't this work? Well, what was it that what, did, what didn't work is the question. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. You have to be really clear with yourself about that because if if the thing that didn't work was I didn't get famous. Okay, well that's <laughs> like maybe dial it back a a, a, a notch or five. And that's right. Okay. <laughs> or, or yes, and I think uh, that's so true about monitoring our own expectations. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because I think that's the thing. If you if what you did was you 
you did something that you are incredibly proud of, then you should, instead of bypassing that and saying, but it didn't reach a million people, first of all, pat yourself on the back for making anything and completing it and, <laughs> and, and doing something that you actually felt proud of afterwards. That's a huge step right there. That's like the most important step. Right. But the step between that and being famous, if that's what you're trying to do or whatever the thing you're trying to do is, New York Times bestseller list or whatever. <laughs> um, there's a lot of little things in between there. Yeah. Right. And so you have to break it down into like the, the half steps because that's where you can really fine point what you're saying, Carlano, which is uh, what went wrong. Because if you know what I'm saying, if right. what went wrong on this giant list is that the, no, what went wrong with um, engagement on social media? What went wrong with <laughs> You've got to, yeah, you've got to, you've got to yeah. fine tune it. Yeah. You got you to, but, but we get to build on top of the first thing though. Get the first right. thing. So don't, don't dismiss all of it. Like if you didn't hit your major goal, don't throw it all out. Like, no, you still celebrate that you made the thing. Making the thing is, is wonderful and, right. and, and it's beautiful. And that's what we can do as human beings is we can create something that's, you know, from here and then, and then tangible. So that's great. Don't don't discard that. But if the other stuff didn't happen, that's the stuff you want to scrutinize. Don't scrutinize yourself as 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 a result of the world not throwing money at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. No, so absolutely. What if the thing that you're making just simply sucks? How do you <laughs> how do you who reject you? someone else? Well, what if my guitar riffs are trash? Yeah. <laughs> How are do you, you how do you tell someone? Are you asking me how I tell yeah. that they suck? <laughs> Is that what you're asking me? That's, that's exactly what I'm so asking. If you want to tell someone you know, you're doing a bad job. You know those artists <laughs> out there and you're trying to give them encouragement uh -huh. and you're doing all this stuff and you're uh -huh. trying to help them along and their mm -hmm. stuff just it's just not gonna so, work. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my secret and and if anybody sees me doing this now in the future, they know they suck because I'm doing this to them. I'm telling you right now. This is it. If uh -oh. I start, if I start asking you a lot of questions, your that stuff are, may suck. What's that? Your stuff may suck. Your stuff may suck if I start asking you a lot of questions. Wait, wait, wait. So, so like, what, what, what type of questions? Are we talking like technical questions? No, no. If I, like I say, I say, well, what, what were you going for? Oh, oh no! Oh no! The what were you going for? Question: What did you have but, in mind but then you when you going. were thinking about this? Oh, that—that's very much code for. Oh, that—that's—that's that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and if they—if they tell me I was trying to do this, and I would say, "Cool." Now, do you feel like? To the oh no! Ability, oh. <laughs> to the best of your ability, do you feel like you executed that? And then if they go, well, maybe, but I thought maybe I could spend more time on color. And then I would say something like, okay, so why didn't you spend more time on color? <laughs> it's very therapisty. That's very. <laughs> it is. <laughs> because here's the, here's the thing though. Yeah. Like everybody's at a different level. That's the reality of it. And yeah. you, you should never, you really shouldn't judge where you are and where they are and try to match them up. It, it's a, it's right. all seriousness. Absolutely. It's about where they are on the journey. If we're all running a race here and, and somebody who's 55 years old starts running the race at 55, you don't look over your shoulder at them and be like, holy crap, why are you all the way back there? They, right. just, they just started. Right. So you can't make them feel bad for that. You have to go, okay, you're back there. Cool. I remember when I was back there, 
And I remember right. when I was back there, this is what I did to kind of prep myself to get to where I am now. So you have to ask questions. You can't just start like slapping judgments on people. You know what right, I mean? Right. As Absolutely. much as you want to, you can't do that. <laughs> you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't. Well, I'm going to say, I think, I think we're nearing the end of our time, but you you are very well spoken. Um, I want to thank say thank you to you and to our listeners. Um, Phil, where can, where can they find you? Where can we find you? What what are Uh, we looking for at this point? Okay. Well, don't go looking in my windows. That would, that's creepy. Don't find me that way. Um, But you can find me, well, the website right there, just my first name, last name. You can find me on all the socials. I have a YouTube channel. I have a podcast called Stay Tuned. Tuned is spelled T-O-O-N-E-D. Uh, but if you want to watch like the film stuff that I do, learn more about any of that stuff. If you want to buy art from me, because I actually do make stuff to sell, uh, just right, that right there. That's the place you go. Well, and for our podcast listeners, that is P-H-I-L-M-A-C-H-I dot com. Yes. Oh, yes. I was pointing <laughs> on the I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got to point with your ears. They don't know where I was pointing. I was, I could have been pointing like up my nose and saying right there is where you find me. Say um, your website again, please. <laughs> it's it's Phil, philmaki.com. You can also t- go to retailsunshine.com. It's the same location. It's just two different URLs. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ever, I, and I'll tell this to anybody, like seriously, if someone comes to me or it says to themselves, I would like to know more about either you, Phil, or about like what I'm doing in my own artistic journey. I will I will extend the olive branch and tell you you can absolutely approach me on social media. Um, I I don't like how people are um, like up on this like hill where people can't approach them. I don't think that that's very uh, very human of us. It's it's not you know it's no right. fun. You can't talk to somebody. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. For this has been so much fun. And thank you all for watching us and listening to us and joining the How Do Artists live stream podcast on behalf of myself and Ryan Caldwell. We would like to say so long until next week, same time, same place. Bring your questions and your curiosity and we will see you then. How Do Artists is a live stream podcast hosted and produced by Ryan Caldwell and Carlana Pedersen. Our theme song, How to Live, by Bird Garden, featuring Rodgers and Cooper, was written by Ryan Cooper, Anna Rogers, and Ryan Caldwell. The How to Artist logo, illustrations, and art design were created by Carlana Pedersen. Tune into our live streams and stay up to date by following us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. For more information about Ryan Caldwell, visit ryancaldwellmusic.com. And for more information about Carlana Pedersen, visit carlana.com. Tune in next time, and thanks for listening.